0: And so as we come to a time of hearing from the Word of God, I invite you to turn first to Mark chapter 1 and then put a finger in John chapter 1 Hear with me these two readings from the Gospel. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. pleased. And hear now from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Sisters and brothers, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Daniel, for reading those. Very, very important words. I hope that you will take a moment to uh, also read in Matthew and in Luke for each uh, of the Gospels gives uh, a unique perspective. Now, It's been said that we can disagree without being disagreeable. This comment asserts that mutual respect and kindness are hallmarks of our lives in community together. We will not all agree, and we will not all operate from a common set of facts or from a common understanding of what truth is. No matter what our frame of reference, Storming the capital with intent to destroy and overthrow in the name of our version of the truth is not how our democratic process is supposed to work. It is a violation of decency, of law, and of order. We have a lot to work on to make this United States a more perfect union. Justice and equality are far from where we need to be. Freedom of speech is far from the respectful public discourse that we hold up as an ideal. And there are principles that we should be willing to fight for. But what we experienced this week is not that. I invite all of us who claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior to take the road less traveled which is paved with kindness, justice, and equality for all God's children and not just with our point of view or our version of the truth. May the violence and conspiracy of this past week give way to peace and civil discourse where we urgently search for ways in which all are heard and in a spirit of kindness adopt principles of service and sacrifice that allows liberty and justice for all. Baptism, which is our subject today, as we celebrate Jesus and his baptism, is a sacrament of belonging as much as it is about cleansing. When Jesus came to Jordan, he was remembering the goal set out for him by God. He was seeking to maintain the focus on the path to that goal of salvation for all, and building the resolve necessary to weather the coming desert and the storms that would certainly assail him. Satan himself, seeking to destroy and pillage until the Savior gave it up, acquiesced and abandoned his road to Calvary. The baptism of Jesus is filled with the ahas of the gospel. From John looking up from the river and declaring, Aha! There he is! That's the one I've been talking about. The Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And the aha, as we read from Matthew, when John says, Jesus, I... I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus responded, it is appropriate to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Aha! And John baptized Jesus. And the, another aha is the one that we read about where John declares that I baptize you with water. But Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And this was confirmed by the dove that came and landed on Jesus. Aha! It's not just about water. It's about the Holy Spirit. From all of these things, we then go to the ahas that we can glean. When we learn that baptism with the glory of God is for each of us. That we might know that God claims us, cleanses us, and calls us to the ministry of reconciliation by the dove power of the Holy Spirit. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, is a declaration of belonging. Jesus didn't need baptism. He didn't need to be cleansed, for he was without sin. It was a declaration that he belonged, and aha, so do you. Do we need baptism to make it into heaven? Some declare that we do. I say, no. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized, and yet he was invited to paradise at last breath. Do we need water to make it authentic? Well, the Quakers don't believe so. One of my best friends uh, was a a, a retired Quaker pastor. Jim Pitts was his name. I used to ride bikes with him a lot. And uh, he's the one that reminded me that when we get to heaven, we'll all be friends. Get it? And he said, Well, you United Methodists may use water, but us Quakers, we dry clean them. Well, however you choose to look at it, Baptism is as much about God's claim on our lives, claiming us for his kingdom so that we know that we belong. As a sacrament of belonging, Christians for centuries now have seen baptism as the sacrament of belonging which one enters the fellowship of the redeemed, the church. And to that end, All are invited, young and old, to belong. And so we find that baptism is as much about belonging as it is about cleansing, about claiming as it is about renewal, and about calling as much as anything else. You can look this up. Look on umc.org. And there you will find a reference to baptism, which I share with you in our baptismal vows. United Methodists commit to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Since the earliest of times, the vows of Christian baptism have begun with the renunciation of evil and then the profession of faith and loyalty to Christ. This does not, however, warrant violence against other people. Jesus is clear how we are to treat those who act with evil against us. To love them, praying for, and doing good to even those who who persecute it, persecute us. And so we find that baptism is a claiming of our lives for God, that we now belong to Him, is a cleansing that it washes us from all of our sins and removes them as far as the East is from the West, and a calling and a claim upon our lives to work for a better day and to build the kingdom together. Now some have asked, well, why do we baptize children? Why do we baptize children? I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, We believe the baptism is the beginning of our spiritual journey, which we understand as a baptismal journey. One that begins with the grace of God, and not only having created us, but breathing into us the breath of life. But one that continues at various junctures in our life. Pastor Daniel talked about us forming a confirmation class, which we hope that 7th and 8th graders will glean an understanding that they belong to God. And we talk about confirming what was made real in our baptism and pledging to lead a life fully pleasing to God through God's justifying grace and sanctifying grace. And so we united Methodists in the Wesley Heritage Believe that God's grace is active in our lives from the very moment we take our first breath, even before that, to the moment that we meet him in the sky. Wesley would call that prevenient grace, the grace that goes before our ability to act or think or even know about it. And because of this prevenient grace, we believe that God's claim and cleansing and calling are on our lives from the moment that we are born. And that is the origin of where we believe that children are just as important to belong to the kingdom as our adults Now, much of this comes from Scripture in the early church. There was reference to what was good for mom and dad was also good for the whole family. Most explicitly, we read about this in Acts chapter 16. Take a look at that chapter. And it talks about Lydia having her faith confirmed and believing in Jesus. And before the day was over, she and all of her family were baptized. What was good for Lydia was good for her whole household. In that same chapter, we also read about the jailer who was required to keep the prisoners in their cells. We read about the great earthquake. We read about the singing and praising that Paul and Silas did. And when the prisoners were all freed from their fetters, the jailer was about to take his life. And Paul said, no, no, we are all here. Why? (laughs) There's something about dove power that kept them there. And Paul proclaimed the salvation of Jesus Christ, told the story. And the jailer said, after hearing this, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That is the one affirmation. That is the one affirmation that employs the justifying grace of God in our lives. But then the story goes on. It says that the jailer and all of his household were baptized at that experience. What was good for the father was good for the whole family. And so we believe that it's important to baptize our children. Jesus was the one who called to his side. And to sit on his knee, the children. And he said, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Are we to prevent the very ones who are called to be closer to the kingdom than any of us? Are we to prevent their being claimed by God? And received into the fellowship of the church. And so we baptize children because we believe that God's prevenient grace is already at work in their lives. And if you believe that baptism is as much about belonging, claiming, as it is about cleansing. Then we believe it's appropriate to baptize children. Now United Methodists, we sprinkle. We like the, the, the sprinkling approach, although it is also appropriate to pour and to immerse. But one of the things that I've found in my ministry is that uh, we don't generally prefer to immerse babies. You don't put them under water on purpose. However, someone challenged me one Sunday after a sermon and said, well, if you blow in an infant's face, they will take a breath and they will hold it for a brief moment. And I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. As a pastor, I should investigate these kinds of uh, expressions of wisdom. At that time, our oldest daughter was just an infant still in diapers and so I thought maybe that would work well one day in the summer it was my uh, uh, my opportunity to take her to the swimming pool and to swim with her of course holding her and and helping her splash and I got this notion well what if it's true And so holding her in my arms, I blew in her face. She took a deep breath and held it for a brief instant. So I did it again. And she went. And I went. And up she came and she was just fine. She didn't choke or gasp for air. It is possible to immerse infants by blowing in their face. But could this father do that? A second time? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. And nor did I do it to my second and third daughters. I never did it again. And I saw firsthand in my own child the reason why we sprinkle. Now, baptism at an infant age, why do we do that? The majority of the baptisms that we read about in the Bible are of adults, and that is true. I refer you to Acts chapter 16 and to a further study of how we reverence children as a part of the kingdom of God. And so we baptize children. But do you have to? In the United Methodist Church, no, we don't have to baptize babies. You can wait until they're older. Now, I, I, the argument that I've often used is what if what if your infant child doesn't want to be among the toothbrushers of the world? Wouldn't it also be appropriate to let them grow and become accustomed to life and at the age that they're able to make decisions on their own, make a decision whether or not they want to be among the toothbrushers of the world? No, we don't do that. Else they wouldn't have any teeth by the time they got to the age of accountability. What do we do? The minute they sprout a toothbrush and uh, sprout a tooth, and sometimes before that, we step Take a toothbrush in their mouth and let them wallow it around and get used to its feel and its texture. And when that first tooth sprouts, we proudly brush it and keep it clean. We don't wait. Or what if your child doesn't want to be among the bath takers of the world? Say they don't want to take a bath. Well, then maybe we should wait until they're old enough to make up their own minds and uh, determine the pros and the cons of taking baths. (laughs) No, we don't. As soon as they're born, we wash them up and get them clean. And then we teach them about good hygiene and we wash them up and clean them even before they're able to make decisions about it. Now that's the arguments I use. And then say, well, why then would we wait until the age of accountability to give the blessing of God's kingdom to our children? And enable them to experience the claim and the call of God. Before they even fully understand it. And the parents on their behalf take the vows. And the church welcomes them and pledges to help bring them up in a Christian environment. Jesus when he came to the Jordan River, did not need to be baptized for cleansing, but to fulfill all righteousness and to demonstrate to the world that God has a claim and a call upon our lives. At baptism, we might not see the dove descend upon our children or ourselves, but we can understand, and so many I have worked with, feel the blessing of the Holy Spirit on their lives. I'll never forget an elderly gentleman who came into my office one day. His name was Willis. And he was 80-some years old. And one day he came into my office with his hand, hat in his hand, and he was working it, and he couldn't look up. And I had him come in. I said, what's, what's the matter, my friend? And he let me know that he'd gone all these years. He was even a member of the church all these years. But he had never been baptized Well, I knew right then that some pastor made a grave error years ago because baptism is a requirement for membership in the United Methodist Church. Baptism is the kingdom stuff that we do. Membership in the church is an earthly function that we do to help give us a sense of grounding and belonging and an opportunity for growth and fellowship. I knew that a pastor had made a mistake but this gentleman had not said anything through the years but it had worked on him and worked on him until this late in life he couldn't wait any longer. And I said, my friend, we need to get you wet. And so I invited him to come the next day With any members of his family, I called together a few from the church to be witnesses and to be supportive, one of whom was the custodian and one of whom was the secretary. And we took him to the sanctuary. And at his age, he gladly knelt at the altar. And I will confess, I used a little bit of extra water that day I scooped it up in my hands and I let him have it so that he knew he was wet. And I will never forget to my dying day the look on his face when he got up from that position of kneeling and the smile and the contentment that you could read all over him. It was that day that he knew he belonged to God and that nothing could separate him from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Baptism. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. As God gives us a claim ...on our lives and calls us to belong, to cleanse us, and to call us to faithful service and obedience. It was the baptism, I believe, that gave Jesus inherent strength to face what he had to face. As he remembered the goal that God had set out for him to bring salvation to all flesh... As he sought to maintain his focus, his tunnel vision. As he, as we learn, would go into the desert to be tormented by the devil himself. And he had the ability to maintain his focus. And the devil had no claim on his life. And that baptism helped him... To keep his resolve. And from that moment on, his resolve was to to go uh, throughout Palestine to Jews and Gentile alike. And there, proclaim God's goodness and acceptance. Baptism. That's what baptism is all about. It's a sacrament of belonging, of cleansing, and calling with a focus and a resolve that comes from the Holy Spirit itself to give us the ability to move forward with confidence and hope, knowing that our spirits are safe in the arms of Jesus and that heaven is there To be brought to earth and our service is blessed as we follow the principles of Jesus to bring the kingdom to come.